0: Today, I want to share with you all, uh, I want to start a pulpit series that's very close to my heart. Is something that's, that I believe is a word or a series of words that the Lord wants us to take very seriously. Somebody say, Very seriously, (laughs) say it to yourself, very seriously, right? Um, But along the way, we're going to enjoy each other's uh, company. Along the way, we're going to enjoy our time together as a church family. But there is a series of words coming up um, that I believe the Lord wants us to take heed about because we are living in extraordinary times, and I'll be honest, I had a different kind of pulpit series lined up uh, from May through till June, uh, but wanted to do something slightly different with it, I realized I wanted to minister at the altar to many of you that wasn't going to work, given that we're doing this through through this platform, and the Lord started to lay in my heart, one thing after another, for me as your pastor first, to take heed about, and then he started to press into my heart and say, Fergus, share this. Gather a few of these things that I'm saying to you and turn it into a pulpit series to share it with the Sungai Bulo Church. And and so for the next five weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you a series I call Take Heed. And today is the first one, Take Heed, Think Like the Persecuted Church. SIBKL at Sungai Bulo, Take Heed and Think Like the Persecuted Church. Now, two little disclaimers. I just want to say it once. I hope I don't have to say it every week uh, because I just really want you all to know my heart, right? And I know many of you do, and you trust me enough to know that that I come from a good place and and uh, you've given me the benefit of the doubt and I want to say thanks if you have but if you're visiting and you don't yet know me well and you think wow, why does Pastor Fergus sounds like he's scolding his church Okay, so disclaimer number one I ain't scolding nobody okay, I ain't scolding nobody okay, so so it's super not my style uh, to, 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 to be like that anyways, so that's the first disclaimer and the second disclaimer is that there's not supposed to guilt trip anybody, there's not my intention at all. You're going to hear me share things where I share with you the seriousness of what God wants from us, what he wants to see in us in the coming season and and, and, and moving forward. And along the way, I may share with you examples that sounds like you, you know the Win Liao example? When you, when, when you share something and it's so over the top and you give an example that is so unbeatable and then and then uh, if you are the listener, you sit back and say, wow, you say until like that, Win Liao Law, what can I say, right? Now, I recognize that some of the things I'm going to be sharing will sound like Win Liao arguments. I don't intend to do that to you. I love you guys. And the last thing I want is for you to leave this service with guilt in your hearts. That is not what I want. I want you to leave this service feeling refreshed, inspired, empowered, and trusting in the work of the Holy Spirit more and more each Sunday. So if any part of today sounds even a little bit like the enemy is going to use it to stoke guilt in you or to stoke this feeling like, wow, you say until like that, how can I not do? You know, it is not manipulative, not meant to be. It is not guilt-tripping, not meant to be, okay? So disclaimers out of the way. Gosh, I love getting disclaimers um, out so that I can get into the word, right? Think like the persecuted. Church. SIPKL, at Sungai Bulo. You know, one of the things in my heart that, that really pressed really deep into my heart um, was that recently we have been hearing, when I say recent, I mean about, say, two months, two to three months, we've been hearing a lot of accounts from Christians telling us how weary they are in the midst of attending online church. Okay, so that's kind of like the first thing from about three months ago. We started to hear a lot of this. And when I say we, I loosely mean myself, together with the senior leadership in SIBKL, with Pastor Chu and Pastor Li Chu, obviously, and uh, and our senior pastoral office, the rest of us, with the congregational pastors. So I talked to Pastor JJ in BM, I talked to Pastor uh, 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 Joseph in Chinese, you know, and we are generally hearing. Um, this, this cry, this cry in the heart of our members, crying out saying that we are getting really wary of online church. And I get that, guys. I get that. In fact, my personal taste bud is that I love this Zoom platform uh, because we get to see each other, okay? And if I have to attend a YouTube type, you know, I would struggle. There are people who love the YouTube type. And if they have to attend something like this, they might struggle. Regardless, nothing we are experiencing right now is the real thing. All of this is an approximation of gathering physically I get it, okay? So we've started hearing people share with us how much they struggle, but that's okay to struggle. We all go through tough times. The problem that, is, no, it's not a problem. I don't know if it's a problem. The part that weighs heavily on me is when I hear people sharing that they don't want to do church anymore. They are tired of it. They are, Sunday mornings, they've just given up on the whole church thing. they just made other plans, you know. Some of, so, some of the people we're hearing from have not attended church for a year already. They've just given up on it, you know. We hear of other people who are really weary and, and and dragged down and they're tired and they're just sick of the whole thing, you know, their prayer life is falling to pieces, their Bible reading is shattered, you know, and their church attendance is in a mess, right? So, we're hearing all these things and then we naturally feel this kind of like this pull in our hearts to say, let's reopen. Let's reopen church. Come on, church. Let's gather small groups in homes. If we can't reopen the main service, let's reopen small groups. Let's do house viewing parties. Let's do this. Let's do that. And we're trying everything we can. And in the meantime, the voice, the chorus of voices that we are hearing is, we're dying, we're dying, we're dying. So my friends, today I want to share with you a word to give you strength, not to judge, not to guilt, but to give you strength for the days ahead. And the Lord has given us many examples of people from whom we can draw strength. So the first one I want to share with you is the Apostle Paul himself. So I want to show you from Acts chapter sixteen. In Acts chapter sixteen, uh, Paul goes through uh, uh, quite fourteen, sorry, uh, uh, quite a crazy set of experiences. And then from here, I'm gonna uh, move on and tell lots of stories to you today, right? Acts fourteen. The context is. Paul was in the city of Lystra. He healed a lame man. And then the people in Lystra went bonkers because they said Zeus has arrived, right? And Hermes has arrived. Not the bad, right? But the Greek god, right? And so they they, they wanted to make, Uh, um, uh, Paul Hermes. They said Paul is Hermes and then Barnabas is Zeus. And then they wanted to bring animals and sacrifice to them. And then Paul said, don't be stupid. You're crazy. You know, we're just ordinary men in the hands of a supernatural God. Stop this. And then they, they flip. So verse 19 is when they flip, right? So the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, now, instead of adoring them, they start stoning them, right? So they stoned Paul, verse 19. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Verse 20. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, same city again, right? And then to Iconium and Antioch, where all their enemies were. Remember, the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium to get him stoned. Now they go to Antioch and Iconium, you know, and strengthening what the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Now, friends, I just want you to see this. If Paul is a sane human being, like, like you know, most of us are like, oh, we need to have wisdom, you know, and yes, we do need to have wisdom. But Paul sometimes he it seems a bit like he's got a like a wire loose in his head because and that wire loose is like is like the Holy Spirit unloosens it so that we, uh, our sense of caution, some the over cautiousness, you know, um, is not in hyper mode, right? So Paul literally makes travel plans to go to the two cities. Containing the very enemies of his ministry. And he goes to one and another. And what does he do there? He strengthens the souls of the disciples, strengthening them, encouraging them to continue in their faith. Someone say strengthen. Strengthen. Okay, say it in your say it in your room. Say strengthen the souls, right? Strengthen the souls, encourage them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Come on, my friends. Through what? Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through, through some of my furniture, my son entered the screen, right? Um, but, but through many tribulations, we shall enter the kingdom of God. We may not want to hear this, my friend, because we want to enter the kingdom of God the peaceful way, the calm way, the quiet way, right? But Paul is teaching his people here that through many tribulations, that's the gate, right? What's the gate? Many tribulations is the gate. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And now let's look at verse 24 because we're wrapping up this uh, uh, word section. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. Now, this is where my journey and Apostle Paul's journey completely depart, because if I was Apostle Paul, I would get off the ship and say, I'm settling down in Atalia, right? (laughs) But but Paul uh, and my book of Acts, verse 26 onwards, will read totally differently, but for the Apostle Paul, and from there they sailed to Antioch, you know, and he goes down to Antioch from Atalia, uh, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Verse 27, and when They arrived and gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them and how they had opened, how He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time, meaning they remained a long time, right, uh, with their disciples. Now, that's a lot of traveling, okay, and there is a lot of similarities and maybe a bit of differences between Paul's journey and ours. Now, I'm going to tell you what is the first difference, okay? One difference between Paul and us. He doesn't seem to be in lockdown. He doesn't seem to have have district, inter-district travel ban not, not happening for him. okay? Interstate ban, not happening for him. International travel is totally happening for Paul. So that's one difference between Paul and us, right? Is that he's got freedom of movement and we have less, not none, less. Okay, now, but how are we similar? We are similar in this sense that we are—we have a heart and a desire to, to to move, to go out, to meet people, to bring the gospel here and there. In the midst of that, we are similar in that there is a reaction from the world around us. You know, some people have, are, are really hot, some people are really cold, some people are attacking us, some people are believing, and then here's the thing—they are under pressure. They are under pressure. You go, you preach, you heal someone, they stone you, they persecute you, you know. And because they persecute you, um, now you have to go and do something else. All your norms are being changed because of the pressure that is under you. Now, here, let me, let me lay it down straight. We are not the persecuted church. That's why today's sermon is entitled, Think Like the persecuted church, because there is much for us to learn as a church in lockdown. I use the word church in lockdown generically. As a church in lockdown, we have much to learn from the persecuted church. Like they, we are under some amount of pressure. Like they, we are under an environment where our normal behaviors are being altered and hampered. We still long like them to bring the gospel out, but it is not so straightforward. And along the way, we need to keep our own fire hot. If not, we die. Now, I'm going to show you this whole text of Acts 14 in a visual sense, right? Imagine if, uh, if if he's on a if he's on a subway, it would look a little bit like this, right? He goes through Lystra and Derby, where he stayed there for, for for a little while, ended up back in Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. That is where a lot of things happen: Pisidia, Pamphylia, Perga, Atelia, and ends up in Antioch. But today, I'm not going to share this whole journey, I'm going to zoom in on that little section going from Lystra to the two cities where his persecutors were. All right? All right? And it's this little section here I've highlighted for you. And what did they do there? They strengthened the souls of the disciples. They encouraged them to continue in the faith. And through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Okay? So, and I'm going to share with you all this in four points. And I'm going to share it with you, stories of people from persecuted churches throughout the world, you know, as I go through this. So the four points you're going to see on the next slide in four boxes. Today, I'm only going to show you the first one for now, and then we'll, I'll reveal the rest to you as we go along. Number one, you must survive on whatever you've got, Okay. Number one, first point, think like the persecuted church, how you must survive on whatever you've got. My friends, there is There, there is still going to be an online church. We are still going to be bringing to you a, a church on a Zoom platform for us in Sungai Buloh like this. If you're not from, a, from our, our church and if you're visiting from somewhere and your church delivers you a service on YouTube, then that's what you've got. If your church delivers a, 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 the weekend service on a WhatsApp video, then that's what you've got. Stay loyal to your local congregation. Stay loyal to your local pastor. Pray for them You know, and, and, and survive on whatever you've got. Now, my friends, we are going to be delivering this. You've got cell groups here in our church. You're still going to have that. So a lot of your norms have just changed in medium, but in to a large extent, this is stuff you still have. We must survive on what we have, okay? Now, the persecuted church does the same, they survive on whatever they have. They don't have the luxury of going online and go live.church one day and go H. Church another day and go uh, um, uh, uh, Elevation Church another day and the Village Church a third day. We don't, they don't have that luxury. They're lucky they even have a Bible. I'll show you more stories later. So survive, my friends. Actually, you know what? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. And really, my heart, we have no excuse. The other alasan to wither. If the persecuted church can survive on scraps, we need to be like on flames. We should be because we are, no matter how we spin it, you know, we are the 0.01% of the most well resourced access to spiritual food Christians in the whole of human history. So, my friends, my friends. Survive from what you got, right? I want to show you a text from the Bible uh, for me to express this. John 16 says this, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So Jesus knows that we have a tendency to fall away. Jesus knows that that we are weak in some areas and so he has to say some things to us to keep us from, buffer us from falling off. They will put you out of the synagogues. Now in his context, he's talking about excommunication. The Jewish leaders were going to excommunicate the believers, right? And that's a little bit like a church in lockdown because now you can't gather. The difference is that the rest can gather and you can't, right? So for us, all of us, Can't quite gather, but we are not excommunicated. Indeed, Jesus says, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Verse 4, but I have said these things to you. He's repeating himself. Verse 2, verse 4. He's repeating himself, right? Oh, sorry, verse 1, verse 4. I said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. What is it he's telling us in 16 verse 1? What is the these things? It is 15. Context. If John verse 16 says, I'm telling you these things, these things refers to the whole of John 15. So if you want to know what Jesus says in John chapter 15, Go to our sermon, uh, um, dated whatever, call I am the vine, because that is the context that we are entering here. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me. And at the start of that sermon, I also shared with you my heart about the condition of withering away during online church. Now, friends, Jesus has given us his word. We must survive on his word. We don't have an option. Withering away is not an option. We got to have some fight in us so that withering away is not an option. And whatever we have, we must not just survive, thrive on it. Because my friends, there is no neutral ground. You want to say, I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to chill. And if you're chilling, you're withering away. You must push back and enter into the place where you are fighting for your abiding. Amen. Now, I want to share with you a story. Okay, a story about this guy from Sudan called Yasser. Okay, now Yasser, uh, this picture of him was in his happy days, right? Um, but but not too long from this, Yasser became a Christian. And when Yasser became a Christian, his father threw him out of his house. Now, you can see the full documentary of this. In the links, uh, the Connect team is going to be dropping the link there. Don't click on it yet, but you can collect all, all the links and put it in WhatsApp it to yourself or something, and then uh, then down the road you can watch them. I love spend one whole day watching Persecution Church videos, my friends. It will really cleanse uh, 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 your heart and reset your mind. Now, what happened to Yase after being thrown out of the house was that he was arrested on numerous occasions, and on one occasion he was arrested. And put into solitary confinement for seven weeks. Now, maybe we're looking at MCO for another two weeks, three weeks, eight, six weeks. Everybody cry already, right? Everybody cry already. Um, Eight weeks, everybody like die already, right? He is in solitary confinement. For seven weeks, he manages to somehow bring his Bible with him. I think he must have smuggled it in, right? Um, he has his Bible. He has a handkerchief. I'll tell you more about the handkerchief in a moment. And then they arrest him and bring him into a building. They go uh, um, down through the pits of that building. And it's like underground uh, uh, stuff. And it is pitch black. It smells like death, okay? It smells really hot putrid, right? And they lead him into this one particular room where it's absolutely pitch black. He knows that this is the place they bring political dissidents, okay? And he has just somehow, being a Christian, ended up as a political dissident. So he's been brought there and put into solitary confinement, um, and he's there for seven weeks. They come in, They beat him, they torture him, they bring him some food, they leave, right? And he's barely kept alive. Now, he realizes that he can't read his Bible in this place because there is no light at all but he starts to, to recite the Bible verses that he has remembered. He remembered our oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, and it reminds him that he has a Father in heaven who will never kick him out of his house. And he hangs on to that for dear life. That nourished him. Day after day, whatever Bible verses he could he had memorized before, he continued to bring it up into memory in order to keep his faith alive. And the smell in that room was getting worse. It was so bad. One day, the guard came in with a torchlight, you know, in order to bring him his food, right, like a dog, right. And the light shone onto the floors as the guard came in, and Yaseh saw on the floor. All the dead bodies rotting all around him. My friends, this is the price that some Christians have to pay for saying, I am a Christian, for being a believer. You know, my friends, one of the things that he held onto that helped Yase to survive was this handkerchief that he smuggled in. Not because of the practical use of that handkerchief, right? But because on that handkerchief was written these words, my friends, how did he survive? He survived because these words on the handkerchief said, the Lord is my light and my refuge. And every day he hung onto that handkerchief, knowing that in the pitch black, he knows that on this handkerchief is written, the Lord is my light and my refuge. And Yaseh says in his testimony that, that even though the whole place was pitch black, I knew that I had the light of the world inside of me. And he said that I knew I wasn't alone because Jesus says in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels that surely I am with you until the end of times. And he knew that the Holy Spirit was with him. He knew that the Lord was with him, carrying him through the deepest darkness that, that, that one little handkerchief with one Bible verse written on it kept him alive that one prayer with our Father in heaven in his memory kept him alive. My friends, you and I, we have access to way more than what Yaseh had access to in solitary confinement. Friends, let us thrive in our faith in this online church time. As we are in lockdown, do not wither away, withering away is not an option. We must thrive. You know why? Because if we don't, get into the presence of God daily and spend time with him, allow him to shape us, grow us, cleanse us, and fill our minds with the things of God. Friends, if you couldn't survive with this, how can we survive if that ever happens to us? And I want us all to be able to thrive, not just survive. If something like Yase, God forbid, ever happens to us. You know, we are doing revelation series um, as Pastor Chiu is going to teach it soon. And I'm just candidly saying this right now. This isn't even in my script. When Pastor Chu shares about revelation, there's going to be some talk, not a lot of talk, but some talk about tribulation. And everybody's going to be asking, Pastor, are you pre-trip? Are you mid-trip? Are you post-trip? And if you're totally lost by all this, you know, and you think it's a bit trippy, um, so, so bad, so sorry. Um, if, if, if 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 this is like, like, you don't know what this is, then the book of Revelation talks about a period of great testing of faith, suffering among the saints, torture and and pain, and the whole thing is called the tribulation. And a lot of Christians are going around thinking, will the church be exempt from this period of tribulation? My friends, you want to know um, what kind of church spends the most time debating pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip? The church that is not in trip is spending all its time doing academic gymnastics about the, about the Bible and asking themselves, is it post-trip? Is it mid-trip? This thing says that, this thing, thousand years, this and that. Now, don't get me wrong. I really, really, really am committed to strong biblical exegesis and understanding what our Bibles are saying. But friends must have some limit, Ayo, right? Seriously, I know people who who go on like long, 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 long debates about whether it is mid-trip, post-trip, pre-trip and all this. And you know what? Frankly, do I have a view? My view is get ready for tribulation. Is it pre-trip or mid-trip? My view is get ready for tribulation. Prepare as if it's trip. Prepare as if it's trip. What what will you lose if you prepare for tribulation? You lose nothing. And if there's no trip, no trip, If there is trip, you're prepared. But if you if you if you tell yourself, no, it will never happen. Oh my gosh, it will never happen. I believe it's post it's pre trip. I believe that we will be whisked away before it all happens. Then if tribulation really hit you. How? You're not prepared. Jesus kept saying so many times, prepare, prepare, prepare. Be ready. Be on guard. So this what your, your pastor says. Whatever the trip is, prepare for it. If it doesn't happen, it do not happen. You're okay. If it happens, you're ready. You're like the virgins who carried the lamps, right? We want to be ready. Now, my friends, you know what? Church is not debating this kind of academic gymnastics. You know who's not doing it? The church that is already in tribulation in its way. And people like Yase do not sit around doing all their academic gymnastics about whether it is pre or post-trip, right? So my friends, I want us, as Revelation series takes hold, I want us to have the right perspective. Don't get caught in all of this stuff. Remember Jesus, remember the body, remember the realities of a harsh world and a church that must stay faithful. Revelation in one line, Jesus, the body in a harsh world that must stay faithful and keep that in mind, but I'm done with Yase's story, right? I have to move on. I have to move on. Survive, my friends. You must survive on whatever you've got. Point number two, minister the gospel into someone else's despair. I know we are in despair. I know we are living in poverty of excess, poverty of movement, poverty of relationship because we can't go out and meet people, right? But in your poverty, minister the gospel to someone in greater poverty than you. I know that we are all down, but there's someone who's more down than us. Minister the gospel to them because Jesus says it is better to give than to receive. And guess what? When you are most down, most crushed, most broken, most empty, believe it or not, the best way to refill your tank is not to go and get more for your tank. The best way to refill your tank is whatever little you have, you give it away. And that's why sometimes we sing this chorus that you give yourself away, right? And because Jesus gives himself away. And though he is all broken on the cross, he gives himself away. Same thing for all of us. When you are at your weakest, whatever little you have, give it to someone who is weaker. And in so doing, the Lord create you create space in your heart for the Lord to pour more in. The key to receiving is giving. My friends, I want to show you what is happening here in the next Bible verse. Remember the poor widow with two copper coins? Y'all remember this widow? Right? She has nothing left in her bank account. She has no bank account, right? She's living hand to mouth. She has nothing left. She has two copper coins. This is from the Gospel of Mark, right? Um, And she goes up to the offering uh, uh, bag, right? And she puts in everything she has, two copper coins. And she says to herself, after this, I die, but I've given my all to the Lord. Verse 43, Jesus calls his disciples to him, says to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing into the offering box. Now, just hang on there. Two copper coins is not numerically more than what everybody goes there pouring and chugging all their cash into the offering box. Two copper coins numerically is not more. And Jesus is not talking smack. He knows what he's saying. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that I am not evaluating her quantity based on the numerical quantity of the coins going in. I am using the word more in terms of how much her separation means to her. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had to live on, right? So my friends, the biblical principle is this. When Jesus evaluates what you are giving to someone else, he's not evaluating raw quantity. He's not evaluating uh, net gift, right, Or, or, or gross gift. He is evaluating in terms of, compared to what you have, how much are you parting? compared to how much you have, how much are you parting. And he's saying of this widow, compared to what she has, which is none left, she's parted with everything. Therefore, she has given more than all those other people who gave 0.5% of their wealth, you know, and it looks like a lot of money, but actually they've given out of their abundance. And so, my friends, how does this link to our mindset as a lockdown church? How does this link to the mindset of the persecuted church? My friends, in your lockdown, in their persecution, minister the gospel out of your poverty, Do you feel a poverty of relationship? I feel it. I feel it that I don't get to see all of you guys as often as I wish I could, right? Out of that poverty, minister to someone who feels the lack of relational um, connection as well do you feel the pain of this online service thing then my friends minister the gospel to someone else who is also uh, 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 dry in their spirit friends give i want to share with you the story of these two Iranian. Um, sorry, before i show you this i want to show you back um, um back to the context of Acts 14 B- around lystra iconium antioch there is a sandwich at Derby, he preached the gospel. At Perga, he spoke the word. And this pattern is true. I want to show you of these two uh, these two women from Iran, right? Uh, their names are uh, Mariam and Marzia, right? Um, they are not sisters. They're sisters in Christ, you know. And these two women became Christians, right? They are, they are Christians. And as these two uh, 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 Christian sisters started to minister the gospel wherever they went, one day they were arrested, And their arrest, and they were put into one prison, one holding place after another holding place after another holding place, the whole thing lasted 259 days. That is eight and a half months. That's about... Like, like towards maybe Chinese New Year, about as long as this whole lockdown had felt for us, but they were in really bad conditions. They went from into one holding place, right? Um, and and they were led to this room, okay? It was cold, it's a uh, winter in Iran, it is so cold, the floors are stone, so it is crazy cold, okay? They have barely anything to wear, okay, to guard them against the cold, and then they are told that that's all they're gonna have, they're gonna have to sleep. Curled up on the floor In the cold Now At a corner There were some blankets So they were very happy To find that There was at least Got blankets For them to 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 cover themselves up They went to the blankets They pulled them And the blankets were wet My friends You feel gross That the blankets were wet And you have to lie Under cold Wet blankets But it wasn't just wet My friends The blankets were wet And the blankets smelled of urine but these two girls were so cold and, and, and famished. Nah, they were like beaten and tortured and threatened with rape, threatened with hanging and all that, right? That they nonetheless had to sleep under those urine-soaked, cold, smelly blankets. And from that one facility, they ended up being brought to the worst, most notorious prison in Iran. It's called Evin prison, right? It's in the background of this picture, the outside, the outer walls. Now, in this prison, what they, these two girls started to do is that they started to minister the gospel. In fact, in the first location uh, that they were at, um, they, they later came and met and saw uh, all these girls, right, uh, um, who were who were also in in the same facility as them right and and what happened was they started to share the gospel to these girls they were prostitutes they were they 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 were broken girls addic- uh, uh, girls who were in uh, all kinds of drug addictions and all kinds of all kinds of social uh, um, kind of like kind of like problems right and they started to minister the gospel to them they led them to Christ this is in iran my friends and they led them to Christ they shared the gospel with them and they started discipling them, then they moved to Evin prison, and at every prison, they continued to share the gospel until the guards got so angry with them and started threatening them, and, and they said to the guards, what else can you do to us? You've already brought us into prison, where else are you going to bring us, right? Try, do, do, do anything worse, but it's by the and then the guards got angry with them, and I said, why are you sharing the gospel uh, uh, about Christianity to the people? They said, well, it's your fault because you put us here right? Uh, um, That's why the prisoners are hearing the gospel, because you put us in prison, right? If you didn't put us in prison, the prisoners wouldn't hear the gospel. Can sass the the guards back. So I I, I really love their spirit, you know, um, that they had such a hunger to share the gospel. In their own poverty, now friends, many of us were just curled up and just died under that pillow, under that blanket with urine, right? We're just like, oh, kill me now, right? But you know what? They rose to the occasion of the day. They said, no, I I will not die, I will not wither, I will share the gospel. And in sharing the gospel, their own fire grew stronger. You want to know what made them strong and what helped them to survive? Mariam, the girl in red uh, in the picture, said that what helped us to survive was that we knew who we were believing in. We knew and had a relationship with this Jesus. And that's what kept them alive. Let's look at the quote that they share. They said that this Jesus whom I knew, this Jesus whom I had a relationship with, says to me, if you want to follow me, you must pick up your cross and follow me. That's the word that she survived on. And these two girls knew their Lord. And because they knew their Lord, they knew the word of their Lord, that you must pick up your cross and follow me. For them, they knew this was their cross. This was their burden to carry all their days in Evan prison was to keep on sharing the gospel, knowing that the gods can do no worse than killing them, and their lives were essentially already dead to Christ, dead for Christ, right? So, my friends, my friends, in this season, I want us to go beyond just staying alive. I want us to just find an opportunity to keep sharing the gospel. Normally, this will be the last point, but I've got two more that I want to share with you. And this is the three points so far. Number one, you must survive on whatever you've got. Number two, minister the gospel into someone else's despair. And number three, hold on by the love of Jesus, your faithful bridegroom. And I love this picture because it's an end times picture. I love this picture because it reminds us that Jesus is waiting and preparing us to come to Him. Hold on, by the love of Jesus, your faithful bridegroom. Jesus is your faithful groom. He is our faithful groom. We are the church. We are His bride. We are being prepared for Him. Now, my friends... He is waiting for us. He is preparing us. He is perfecting us. And all these things I share about what happened to Yasser in Sudan, what happened to Mariam and Marzieh in Iran, is he is perfecting and beautifying his bride. He is perfecting and beautifying his bride for the final marriage supper of the Lamb. Hold on to the love of Jesus. Hold on by the love of Jesus. I want to show you this text uh, from the Bible. But before that, yes, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, remember, encourage them to continue in the faith. How are you going to continue in the faith because of a word like this? Let's look at the Bible verse now. All right. Um, James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, now we all know this. We all know this verse. Every time someone preaches on persecution, this verse shows up, and it's a little bit like a, wow, what you say until like that, uh, James. You know how to find joy when we meet trials, right? And I tell you this. I I want to show you this, you know, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness, let it have its full effect. Meaning that as you are steadfast, there is a progression of effect. And it's taking effect until the point where that you may be what? Perfected and complete, lacking nothing. You and I, my friends, we are not complete. We are not perfect. Far from it. But the Lord is perfecting us day by day. He is polishing us, renewing us, burning away all the scum and, and, and refining us. But how does he do it? Through trials of various kinds, like lockdown. Like one guy gonna COVID, the rest have to go and swap tests. Like that, right? That is the trials of various kinds. But in the midst of this, why and how can we count it joy? We can count it joy because we have a lover waiting for us at the end of this journey of tribulation. And I intentionally use that word. We have a lover waiting for us at the end of the suffering, at the end of the pain, saying that all this suffering and pain is refining you and beautifying you to the point that you can meet me. And when you meet me, you will be radiant. You will be beautiful. You will be worthy of the groom who has been waiting. Friends, do you want to to, to arrive with Jesus not radiant enough? Do you want to, I mean, we all want to beautify ourselves when we go out, right? We groom before we go out, right? That's normal. We get dressed properly because when we go out, we meet people. We don't want to look sloppy. We don't want to look like, like we didn't put in any effort for them. In the same way, my friends, that as we arrive to meet our groom, we want to be as beautiful as we can be. If you're a girl and you probably daydreamed about the day you'll be a bride, you probably daydreamed about your wedding day before, and you probably uh, um, uh, had an idea about how beautiful you would look being standing there facing your groom. If you are a groom or you are a man, you probably had the same feelings about the whole day, right? Now, my friends, we are going to be presented before our groom one day and the Lord is going to, the difference is that when we do makeup, there's air con, so that it's not hot, we don't sweat. And when we do makeup, you know, it's comfortable. We get to sit down in front of a mirror and sometimes there are lights and we can do everything in a comfortable way. The way Jesus beautifies us for our wedding day with him is that he puts us through trials. And every trial refines us, beautifies us, and, 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 and burns away all the ugly parts of our hearts so that we can come and stand before him, beautiful and radiant as a church. My friends, I want to share with you this story. Gosh, I love this story so much. I love this story so much. It's from a girl in China. It's okay, we can skip. Uh, yeah, okay. This girl uh, in China, her name is Chunxia, right? And Chunxia in China was three days from her wedding day, Okay. So if anybody um, uh, 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 has, has faced difficulty in their, in their MCO wedding, you must hear Chun Xia's story, right? She was three days from her wedding day when she got arrested for being a Christian. And she was brought away from her fiancé to uh, a, a correction facility, right? This is in the 1970s early 80s. This was early 80s, late 70s in China um, during the transition from Mao era, um, pre-Teng Xiaoping era in China, right? So she's brought into the rural China into a correction facility as a political dissident, right? <laughs> Why do they all charge them as political dissidents? Christians, we have got no interest in, in wanting political power. You get us wrong. If there's anybody in hearing this and say Christian Mao, a uh, 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 Malaysia. that's not true okay i can promise you we want we, we want jesus to be in our hearts we don't want to be prime minister or whatever right it's fine now this girl is brought there she spends three months in a correction facility okay and sorry i totally got that wrong right i thought I, I brought it down by 12 times she spends three years in that correction facility okay and in that place okay she is tortured She is threatened. All the typical things that happens to persecuted Christians happening to her, right? And she is not allowed to meet her fiancé. Hey, no goodbye, okay? Didn't manage to WhatsApp their plans, didn't manage to do anything, right? This is the 70s. They are writing letters. So she is brought to a prison in the rural countryside. And she is told that she can only meet her fiancé once a year. And once a year is for 20 minutes on visitor's day. And on visitor's day, her fiance will travel miles and miles into the countryside and wait there for visitor's day. He will show up and they will meet and talk for 20 minutes. He will pass her a letter. And he will continue writing letters to her. And Truncia will write back to her fiancé and tell him, please don't wait for me anymore. Please go and marry someone else. I can't do this anymore. I'm dying, right? So she is she is, is withering away. And I love this story so much because you know what gave her hope? Her a fiance outside right so what did he do while he wrote all his letters and he visited her three times over 3 years he told her i am still going to marry you i'm waiting for you outside until the day you are released. I don't care if you are old and gray when you come out, I'm gonna marry you because I love you. And I'm gonna wait here for you until you come out. And if you never come out, I will never get married. I'm waiting here for you. Wow, I'm a dude, okay? I hear that story, I'm like, my eyes are watering. And I tell you why my eyes are watering. It's not because it's a romantic uh, uh, gesture. It's not just because it's a romantic gesture because the Lord can't make me cry i read that i i, I heard what his her fiancee said and i thought that's my jesus that's my jesus i'm dying i can't i can't jesus i can't i can't anymore no way don't don't bother don't wait for me he says My love, I am here. I'm going to be waiting for you. I'm standing here until the very end. No matter what it takes for the world to know my name, right? Christ alone be praised. I am here waiting here for you. And when you come out from your captivity, I'm here. When you come out from your tribulation, I am here to be your groom. I will marry you at the end. I will be here. I love you. That's why I'm waiting for you. And I'm gonna strengthen you. And for Chun-sia, all of her fiancé's letters strengthened her. So she stopped, she said she stopped telling her fiancé to go marry someone else. Because cause the fiancé called her, right? Like, don't, don't talk nonsense. So so she stopped it, right? And then she started to really believe that one day she would come out and she would marry this man. And for her, you know what she what held her on every day. She felt the joy. Whenever she prayed, she felt the joy of knowing that the day will come when she will go out and marry her fiance. What's the quote? Let's see. Broadcast team. God answered my prayers, says Chunxia, and I went through all the hard times with joy. She prayed and the Lord filled her with joy. Why? Because she had a hope. Why? Because she had a hope on the outside, on the other side of her tribulation, knowing that she is loved. My friends, on the days when you are struggling to know that you have a hope, know this, that you are deeply loved and your groom is waiting for you. He doesn't expect you to not show up. He expects you to show up. He expects you to be beautiful and radiant, having conquered and overcome every single trial that is there to beautify you. Amen, my friends. And now I want to move on to my last story my last point the first point you must survive on whatever you've got but more than that number two you must minister the gospel because that's how you refill and refuel is to minister and and show love and tangible uh, 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 care and ministry to those around you on the days when you are about to give up and die hold on by the love of Jesus your faithful bridegroom and the last point number four man church find your fighting spirit Find your fighting spirit. Be tenacious. Don't give up. Don't give up so easily. Do you have enough fighting spirit? Is fighting spirit enough? No. But is it important? Yes. Do you need to have that tenacity to keep going on? Yes. Because the journey ahead is hard. The road ahead is hard. right? But the Lord will give you strength for the road that lies ahead. So my friends... Can I, I just want to share this word with you, and then we'll move on. We see from the from, from Paul's journeys through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And so, I want to share with you. This is one of my favorite. I think one. If you ask me, Pastor Fergus, what's the most underrated verses of the Bible? Like, it sounds so epic, but then nobody ever quotes it. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, right? Um, Verses 4 through to 10. I love this verse so much. My gosh. Um, Let me read it to you, okay? (sighs) Calm down for this. Calm down. Okay, I've been told I talk very fast when, when I'm excited. I love this verse. The most underrated passage of the Bible, okay? Paul says, As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. How? By great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labours, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, the genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honour and dishonour, through slander, and praise, we are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown, yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished, yet we are not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Wow. Say, man, I love this passage so much. I love this passage so much, you know. And and, and really, as I read this, you can already see uh, um, shades of the whole sermon in this parts as well. Great endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments. You saw all that in the first three stories. Dying, behold, we live. As punished, much punished, and yet we are not killed. Sorrowful. And yet, we are always rejoicing as poor, remember Mariam and Marzia, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything, my friends. I want to share with you this last story of a guy in Laos called Boon Chan. And Bon Chan was a Christian. He spent 10 years in prison. And maybe he could have gotten out earlier. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten out earlier anyway. But in his 10 years in prison, the thing, one thing he needed the most, he said, I needed to have my Bible. Because he said, like like yase he started to recite the Bible verses he remembered, he memorized. And then he was, this guy was tortured crazy, man, like he's beaten, splashed with cold water, being whipped and everything. You can see all the videos of the four stories I've shared with you are there. Go check out the source material and see that I'm not exaggerating anything. This guy was tortured. And then eventually, um, he was made to work. And so in order to work, he has to go out and cut firewood for the facility that he is in. And so what he did was he started to stockpile more firewood than each day's quantum. So let's say every day he has to collect this much. So every day he collects this much plus more. And then he collects this much plus plus more until he had two days worth. He will bring this back every day and he will keep this pile in the forest. Until until one day he had two days worth of, of firewood. And he chose one day he went out, he didn't cut any firewood. He knew that he wouldn't cut any firewood that day. On his way back, he would pick up his spare pile and come back as if he cut firewood. Where did he go that day? He ran back to his village. He met with his wife in their little catched house. She gave him his Bible. He could barely spend time with her. He said, I have to run. I love you. I have to run. He took his Bible. He ran back to his imprisonment took that extra bundle of wood, went back into his prison, and then hid his Bible. But now he had his Bible. He took that risk, he would have been killed. Now he had his Bible, and he started reading the Bible, and he started remembering the Word, and that kept him alive. And his Bible became his best friend, and every day he would hide it, and every day he would read it, and one day his Bible got found. And they threw away his Bible, ripped up the pages of his Bible, threw it away, and subjected him to more beatings. And guess what? He did it again. He found another Bible. He escaped, came back with a Bible, and hid it, and read his Bible again. And guess what? They found it again, and threw it away, and tortured him. And this went on over and over again. On one occasion, all he had was one piece of page torn out from a Bible. That kept him alive. Like Yase and his handkerchief, this man had one piece of the Bible, but it was so important to him. This kept him alive and he survived and thrived. And he said, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to fight on. I'm going to fight on. Every time they 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 threw away his Bible, he found another one. He risked his life and found a Bible because he couldn't live without it. My friends, can we live without our Bibles? How long before we start withering? For this man, he knew what was his food. He knew that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when you ask Bon Chan of Laos, what kept you alive? He would tell you this. Let's look at the. He said, when I read my Bible, I was encouraged to keep fighting. And so my friends, here are four stories. When I read my Bible, I'm encouraged to keep fighting. Friends, does the Bible have that kind of uh, reaction, create that kind of reaction in us? Does the Bible stir us in that way? I pray that all of us, the four points, let me show you all over again. You must survive on whatever you've got. Minister the gospel into someone else's despair. Hold on, by the love of Jesus, he is your faithful bridegroom. And lastly, find your fighting spirit. Be tenacious. Don't give up. These four, these four men and women, five actually, are the people who fight for their survival in the faith every single day. Persecution or not, rain or shine. My friends, as Christians, we were not made for sunny weather. Will we make for sunny weather? Didn't Jesus say that the world will hate you because the world hates me? If the world hates me, of course, it will hate you too. Didn't Jesus say that for all of us, tribulation will come. Hardships will come. Only do not let go. Didn't Jesus say that, that, that uh, um, if you walk with me, you have to carry your cross every day and follow me. Friends, will we be counted among the Yases and Mariams, Marzias in this world? Will we have a story to tell at the end of our days, like the Chun Sias and the Bo Chans of this world? Will, will lockdown cause us to wither? No, I know we are made of sterner stuff. SIBKL at Sungai Bulo, I know you are made of sterner stuff. You have Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. You shall not wither. You shall not die out. You shall not dry out. You shall be strong. You shall have a fire in your heart that will carry you all the days of lockdown, no matter how long they are going to go. No matter NCO3 or not, you're going to thrive in this season because the Lord is with you and you don't just have scraps. You have way more than scraps. I have way more than scraps. We have each other. We have the Lord. He is with us until the end of times. He will never let you go. Do not wither away. Come on, church. We are not going to fall. We're not going to crush. We're not going to wither. We're not going to dry. Why? Because we remain in the vine. And the vine, and his words, remain in us. That's why we are going to survive this thing. So, Sungai Bulo Church, I want all of us to give this our best shot. And I don't want before you've given your best shot to come and say, I'm dying, I'm dying. Don't, don't. Find that fighting spirit and push back just a little bit and then a little bit more. Okay, Sungai Bulo Church? Okay, SIB? Our hearts, come on, Sungai Bulo Church. SIB Church, come on. Let's rise up to the day. Let's rise up to what the Lord is saying to us right now. Take heed. This is not a scolding. It's not a guilt trip. I want every single one of us to rise up. Rise up. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we want to thank you for your word over our lives. If you're just bringing your emblems before you, I encourage you to just relax, take a breath, and remember the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for, the, for, for your body broken for us so that every day from now on, we can walk with the joy and with the, with, with the nourishment of Jesus. We stay alive because of this. Not the bread, but the body of Christ. So, Father, we thank you. Forgive us of all our sins. Forgive us for being, for, for, for being whatever, complaining or whining or whinging or whatever it is. And help us to come before you refined in fire. Father, we give you thanks, Lord God, for your body broken. Church, let us partake of this bread together. After supper had ended, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you and we remember you. We remember you, Lord God, that on the cross, your blood was shed so that we can have forgiveness of sins and we can have victory in this world. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through your sacrifice on the cross and through your ascension into heaven. Today, we have a power in us that can carry us over every badai yang So, Father, thank you for this cup. We partake of it, Lord God, and remember you. Church, us partake of this cup.